0: so welcome back this morning and we're going to talk about probably a pretty tough talk about who jesus is our intercessor and that's a word we don't use a lot but it's a word really means advocate or lawyer or someone who stands in the gap for us and how does jesus do that for us and how does it bring comfort to you so i want you to meet him as he stands in the gap for us and i hope you're taking advantage of your god time your scriptures the group time the, the gathering with your group and of course the weekend gatherings and you know you could listen anytime any place any pace uh, that it's all for you we provide this content for your your benefit but i want to welcome you again uh, for those who are joining us here on this sunday morning as we talk about jesus our intercessor there's probably nothing more powerful or loving than praying for someone or someone praying for you uh, that should create such security it's in such intimacy that no someone is standing in the gap for prayer for you. Prayer is an amazing tool that grows our relationships. It grows our relationships with God, and it grows our relationships with one another. I know that when I pray with my children, or I pray with my grandchildren, or I pray with my, my, my wonderful wife, Tara, that this draws us together in closeness and intimacy. Um, so when I was in college, I went to a great Christian university called Florida State University, Uh, You know, it's it's called the Berkeley of the South, probably the most liberal school there is. And, you know, during those times, I literally wasn't like Pastor Scott. You know, I was living on my own, away from my parents. I'd grown up pretty sheltered in the Baptist bubble, and then I got out in the wilds of Florida State. And I kind of started living life differently than I'd lived before. Now, my parents were never really strict with me regarding curfew or those kind of things. Tara says I was a free-range child. I was number four. I was the, the love child, as my mother said. My dad called me an accident. Either one was disturbing. But I really didn't have a lot of you know parental supervision. And I kind of came and went as, came and, you know, just come and go as I wanted to. And I came home for college one weekend. And I was doing my typical thing and hanging out with my buddies. And I came home really, really late. In fact, I would, this is kind of cool, I'll chase a rabbit. My mother was so obsessed with my behavior and so worried about me. One time, I didn't come home from surfing all time, and she called the dadgum Coast Guard to find my body. Okay, so this is what I'm dealing with. But I'm out, you know, one college, I come home, and I get home late, and I find my mother in the living room on her knees praying out loud for me. Now, I don't know, my mother... I I love my mama, she's with the Lord and she was, but boy was she manipulating me I don't know, was it sincere, I don't know but all I know was there she was praying for me and I I got home and I picked her up off the floor and I helped her up and I said, Mama, what in the world are you doing? She says, and she had tears running out her and she says, Scott, oh Scott I just want you to be a godly man and she hugged me, and I, you know what? But that made a big impression on me. Uh, whether it was staged or not staged, I couldn't ignore the fact my mama loved me enough to drag me before Jesus. And she was interceding on my behalf in front of King Jesus. I think that's pretty powerful. As powerful as my mother praying for me is, you know there's someone more powerful that's praying for me? That's Jesus. Jesus is praying for me. Jesus is praying for you. This is one of those often overlooked promises of God, that Jesus knows my weakness, and he's standing in the gap for me in prayer. I want to share with you two very powerful scriptures that illustrate this truth, and, and, and that'll help you understand how much you were really loved and how much Jesus really is standing in the gap for you. It's Romans eight twenty six and Luke twenty two thirty one through 32. And just like I walked in on my mom praying for me, I want you to see Jesus is praying for you today. And his prayer is powerful because he loves you. I want you to meet Jesus, your intercessor. Father, thank you for what you're gonna to say to us today. And I pray that we'll capture this truth in our hearts and that we'll live this truth in our lives. So thank you for how faithful and good you are. Let us listen to you now as we dive into these passages. And I pray this in your son's strong name. Amen. First thing I want you to see is that you're not alone. You are not alone. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. This literally means that the Holy Spirit, who is Jesus, the word Holy Spirit means, it's, it's in Greek, it's Paracletus which means the one who comes alongside of us. And when Paul says, I urge you, my brothers, to present your bodies in Romans, he's talking about this urging is the paracletus. I'm coming alongside you. I'm putting my arm around you. When we come to Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside of us. He comes to be our paracletus, the one who's along with us. And this is what Jesus has said. When we come to believers, he lives us. And this is what he does. It's what the Holy Spirit does as living in us. This is what he does. He convicts us of sin. He points out sinfulness in our life that we might repent and find the cleansing good God. He helps us understand scripture. If you don't understand scripture, the Holy Spirit will illuminate and reveal. I know when I'm reading scripture and that things jump out at me, I know it's the Holy Spirit teaching me what I want, what he wants me to to understand. He empowers me with gifts and he empowers you with gifts to help us to use them to bless others. Our giftedness from God is not for our benefit, it's for the benefit of the body. That he empowers with us. And here's the cool thing. He prays for us. He prays for us. He's interceding for us. Now, we're limited in our understanding. So we need help. Even after we're saved, we are hampered by sin. Just because we've been brought into a new relationship doesn't mean we're perfected in that new relationship. Paul said it in Romans 7. The good I want to do, I don't do. The very things I hate, I do. Wretched man that I am, who will free me from this body of death. He's talking about sinfulness, even though he's, he's dadgum Paul. And he's still struggling with sinfulness. We still struggle with sinfulness. Now, being saved or being in the right relationship with God through Jesus doesn't mean we've arrived. doesn't mean that at all. It means we've been made new and we're in processing of arrival. And when we arrive, we'll step into heaven. That's what it looks like the Holy Spirit then works within us unrelentingly to help us what we could never become on our own. Unrelentingly to help us become what we could never become on our own. Paul said this to the church of Philippi, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, Jesus is standing in the gap for us. In this word he says, with groanings, the groaning of God. What does that mean? That He's groaning for us. That He says, in the same way, the Spirit makes groanings for us, intercession for us. In the same way. Now, this is not some kind of spiritual desperation God has, but it's a different level of communication between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit on our behalf. He groans for us because. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit exist in perfect unity. The Triune Prayer, this prayer of intercession, is to strengthen you and to strengthen me. You see, creation suffers under the curse of sin, so it groans for revelation. We humans, the world groans and longs for relief. Man suffers under the curse and longs for salvation. We groan for that. Groan, God groans not out of desperation, but out of love. He sees the devastation of sin and stands in the gap on our behalf, groaning that we might be free from our self-imposed rebellion to his loving, liberating life. And we can't do it on our own. And so God groans for us. And he's effective. He gets it done. That's kind of amazing. And we don't know how to pray, as we should. Have you ever been overwhelmed with the circumstances of life and just said, God, I don't know how to pray? I have many, many times. Y'all, I'm coming out of 2020 where I didn't know how to lead. I didn't know what to do. If I told you to wear a mask, I was the devil. If I told you not to wear a mask, I was the devil. If, if I, I had in-person gathering, I was the devil. If I didn't have in-person gatherings, I was the devil. I was the devil about any decision I made. I got ostracized and criticized from all manners, if I was online, I was the devil. If I was not online, I was the devil. I mean, it just unbelievable amount of I just don't know what to do. I didn't know whether I should wear a mask, not wear a mask, go to HB or not go to HB, uh, have a, a small group meeting in my home, not have a, it just all of it. And it's like, what do I do? How do I keep my safe self, my safe self from, uh, safe from all this? What? How do I do this? And it, but Jesus is groaning for me and praying for me. I, I'm often overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed with my children, with my relationships, with our finances. with Man, Tara and I built a house during the dadgum pandemic. We were overwhelmed. But God wasn't. He was praying. I, I experience personal pain and personal sinfulness. And I'm overwhelmed by that. And my personal pain and my personal sinfulness often blocks... My, my, my prayerful uh, obedience. Sometimes i not knowing how to pray so I just don't pray. But Jesus is praying. He's making groanings for me. Some days I've been shaped by my culture and I realize that culture can shape my character and I end up making acquisition, uh, acquiescing to things that I shouldn't acquiesce to that are not biblical because I just get weary and Jesus is praying for me I'm overwhelmed by the culture and I'm overwhelmed by my weakness but here's the thing I have to remember some days are just a bad day but I don't have a bad heart because I got Jesus let me give you a little further illustration Peter denied Jesus three times Peter didn't have a bad heart he just had a bad day Judas betrayed Jesus. Jesus didn't have a bad day. He had a bad heart. And that's the difference. When we belong to King Jesus, he intercedes for us. He's praying for us. Huh. So what's the example of Jesus? And this is where we get a little more personal. In fact, I wrote a whole book on this called Sifted Leadership. This passage of scripture prompted a whole book I wrote about being sifted by God. Here's the example of Jesus. In Luke 22, 31, he says this, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and that when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Now, reading that passage, there's some things that disturb me, that that I have to understand that everything that happens to me is filtered by the love of Jesus. And Satan demands or asks permission and Jesus has control over my life. Now I'm thinking, why would Jesus give Satan permission to sift me? Because he knows I need sifting. The pure, impurities of my life, the, the lack of dependence of my life, I need to go through the trial so I can experience the joy. So Romans 8.28 says this, and For we know that those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purposes. Okay, we get that. That even the diabolical plan of Satan, which I wish Satan would say, shut God would say to Satan, shut your pie hole, you can't touch my boy. But he doesn't. He allows the sifting to happen. This is what happens with sifting. When you sift flour, you remove impurities and you increase you increase volume. You put air in the flour, so the bread is better, or the pie crust is better, or whatever else you're sifting is better. Now This is what God allows to us. Now listen to this. Jesus pleads for us in prayer. Now, this pleading or groaning is a prolonged effectiveness, that as he prays for us, that he's prolonging our effectiveness. He's reaching into our lives to giving us more power, more grace, more understanding than we've ever had before. He's pleading in prayer. Jesus knows our faith. He knows how frail we are. And he also knows that our faith is based on him and not us, and that our faith will not fail. When you say, well, I think I'm losing faith? No, you're not, because it's not yours to lose. It's God's. And he gives it to you, and he holds you in it. You might waver in your faith, but you will not lose your faith. You may backslide in your faith, but you will not slide off from your faith. Because your faith is found in the one who is faithful and is based on his faithfulness and not your behavior. Listen to this. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. No one. You cannot even snatch yourself out of God's hand. And my Father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. You talk about eternal security, right there it is. Once you come to Jesus, he's never going to give up on you, and he's never going to let you fail. He is groaning for you in prayer. This is very important because security is found in God and not in you. It's found in God and not in you. Now you say, well, what do you say, Scott? I know people who say they trusted Christ and that they walked away from the faith. Are they still saved? The answer is, were they even really saved? I don't know. That's God's call. I don't know, but I I do know this. If they were generally converted, they generally believed, God will either bring them to repentance or he'll bring them home to heaven. I can trust him. He is faithful. And his faithfulness is based on him and not on me. You see, Jesus knows your outcome. Notice what he said to Peter. When you return, not if you return, when you return. Jesus knew that Peter was going to go through the dark night of the soul where he had come face to face with his inadequacies and his brokenness. He would be overwhelmed by his sinfulness. He had a bad day. He denied Christ three times. The rooster crowed and conviction fell and Peter tried to separate but you know the wooing, seeking Jesus came after him. More on that later but Jesus knows the outcome and he says when you return. He knows your life Will be strengthened. You will be sifted so you could do what? You can strengthen your brothers. Strengthen your brothers. Jesus prays for you so you could pray for one another. Be strengthened so you could be the one who strengthens. That's how God works. That's how God works. Tara and I were going through an amazing, amazing season of losing everything, and we were being sifted. Somebody was praying for us it was Jesus. Somebody else was praying for us. My precious sister Judy, my brothers David and Stan, they were praying for us. They were praying that God would deliver us, and he did. And I love my family. There were times when Judy would call and rescue us. She'd, she'd bring us groceries when we didn't have any. Stan giving me encouragement, and David even inviting us to come live with him if we had to. Amazing. You see, when we go through the valley, we come out of the valley to go through the valley with someone else. We strengthen the brothers. And that's what Peter did over and over and over. Even when Peter wrote his epistle, he wrote it to a group of people that are experiencing tremendous persecution. And he says, don't be surprised by the fiery trial which you're going on. God's going to strengthen you. Peter's saying, hey, I've been there and done that. Even Peter was martyred, crucified upside down. Okay. We're strengthened so we could strengthen others. Why? Because Jesus is praying for you and for me. He's our intercessor. So we should never fret. We shouldn't. Jesus has us. He has this. He has a perfect plan for us. He's gonna perfect perfect me through the adversities of my life and through the love he has for me. And my security and our security rest in Jesus and Jesus alone. So I want you to meet Jesus because he's interceding for you. So I I can stop trying to be a good Christian and I can live truly, securely as a child of God I can willingly surrender to God's purposes for my life. And I can join God in praying for you. There's an old Ricky Skagg song. Somebody's praying, I can feel it. Somebody's praying for me. Mighty hands are guiding me to protect me from what I can't see. Lord, I believe. Somebody's praying for me. Jesus is praying. You know what else Pastor Scott's praying to? You pray for me and I'll pray for you. And we'll let Jesus pray for us, and then we will be the hope of the world. My biggest prayer for you is that you'll meet Jesus, and he'll save you, and that you'll live for him, and you'll make him famous through your life, and then you'll strengthen the brothers and sisters. So I love you, and I hope this helps. Father, thank you that you're standing in the gap for us, that you are our intercessor. And no matter what happens in our life, it passes through your loving hands. And God, I pray that you will strengthen us and that you will hold us and that you will deliver us because you're so faithful. Father, there's some that are listening that need to give themselves to you. And once again, Father, I pray that they'll pray this prayer, Jesus, I'm yours, and give their life to you so that they can live all for you. So I thank you for what you're doing. And I pray this all in your son's strong name. Amen. You know, as I conclude today, I want to ask you this question. Don't you want to take your next step? Don't you want to become a part of this family? Go to fbcwimberly.com and click on the next step links and watch the connection video, the membership video, and become a part of this family. I know you're remote, you're watching on video. We don't know how long this pandemic is going to last. It doesn't matter. You can be a part of our family remotely. So do that. And, and I want to be your pastor, and I want to help you grow to become like Christ. So. Take that next step and just go online and send us an email. Maybe you trusted Christ today. Let us help you with that. Maybe you need prayer. Let's be a real church. Even though we're meeting online, we're still a real church because a church is not a building. It's a people. And we're a people connected through the miracle of technology. So I I hope this encourages you. Take your next step. Also continue to be faithful in giving, that we might make Jesus famous through all the world. I love you. I'm honored to encourage you with this content. And I pray God will bless you. And remember, Jesus is praying for you. And so am I. God bless you. I'll see you next week.